We've reached the end of another week of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Are you ready for the weekend? You betcha. Hi, how y'all doing? I'm John Rawl, and let's put a smile on each other's face because, yeah, the weekend is definitely here, and we're excited to bring a full three-hour Y'all Show your way, and we're going to have a great time doing it, and we want you to be a part of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. All you got to do is keep listening. That's one way to kind of be a part of the show all about the South, but we encourage you to also go to our website. That is y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com, y'all, the homepage of the South. That's one way you can help out. Also, you can call us or text us. Our number is 803-816-1170. Text or call 803-816-1170. And you can also drop us an email if you'd like to go that route. And that email address is mail, M-A-I-L, just like the U.S. mail, mail at Y-A-L-L.com. It's Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And on this Friday edition, let me go ahead and set the table of what we got coming up here. You're not going to want to miss out on all the fun we've got planned for you today. We've got a look at headlines. We've got a lot of stuff to pass along, some developing stories across the law enforcement front we'll tell you also some weather related stories including the death toll now from louisiana is now up to five from people affected by the floods of this last week five deaths now reported in the state of louisiana i'll share with you what we know and a long-term forecast of weather related issues for all of the south the tropic outlook if you will We'll have information on that coming up here in our headlines from across the southeast. Also in our headlines today, a song from Dolly Parton. It's good, but you're not going to be able to hear it until the year 2045. we got to wait almost 25 more years for this song. We'll tell you why as part of our headlines here on this Friday edition. And then in just a few minutes, we'll take you to the PGA Championship and on Thursday's Y'all Show, Jason Nall of College Tour X was on to help us preview the PGA Championship, the second major of the year on the PGA Tour. And we're going to get an update from Jason Nall here in just a few minutes on what happened Thursday at Kiowa Island, the ocean course just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And we'll find out what he expects here on this Friday round, the second round, plus what he expects going into the weekend. We've already seen one Southern boy withdraw from the PGA Championship because of an injury. So all that coming up in just a few minutes. Jason Nall helping us get ready for the PGA Championship's conclusion on the Y'all Show Friday edition. And then we 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 get so much stuff coming at you here on the Y'all Show that I want to apologize. Sometimes I don't do the best job of making sure that all the, the I's are dotted and T's crossed. And I let it slip this week. I promised y'all I was going to tell you about something, and I didn't get a chance to do it on the day that I intended to. But I'm going to try to make good here on this Friday end of the week edition. We're going to talk about old pictures, okay, and the cost of old pictures. I'm not talking about the ones from back in your high school days. I'm talking 100-plus-year-old pictures, 200-year-old pictures. I'm going to tell you what it costs to get those photos done back in the day. And while we may not have as many photos of our ancestors as you might want, and we'll have that information, we'll pass along as part of our hashtag Hall of Blue later this hour. Also, Kobe Bennett's going to be filing a southern accent on sports here in this first hour. When we move over to hour two today, we're going to be talking a lot of BS. We sure are. Today is the release 
of the brand new album Body Language from BS Blake Shelton. I'm going to talk about this Oklahoman. I'm going to discuss the new song that he's got out. I'm going to play the new song from Body Language. It's called Minimum Wage, and we're going to honor and feat Blake Shelton. This guy is on a roll. He's getting bigger and bigger, and we'll give him his proper tribute. We don't oftentimes play brand new music on this Friday edition of the Y'all Show when we have our Friday free for y'all. But we're going to, instead of going into the archives, we're going to play something brand new today. And it's the brand new single from Blake Shelton from the album Body Language, which hits the news, or, or not the newsstand, it hits the record stands, if you will, if there's any record stores left. <laughs> today is the day, the release date is the technical term of Body Language. And in honor of the Southern boy, Blake Shelton, we're going to play Minimum Wage for you. We'll also have another Southern boy, this guy. I'm not sure if he's got a lot of BS in him or not. I mean, he is a fisherman. But Craig Faulkner, old CF, is going to be checking in, and we'll have a fishing forecast from Craig Faulkner in our second hour of today's Y'all Show. We're going to be talking about all kinds of fishing and hunting stuff. So it is the weekend, and a lot of you live for the weekend to go hunting and fishing. So Craig Faulkner and his fishing forecast, that's going to be coming your way hour or two. We also have more headlines and a look at – movies hitting theaters this weekend this mid-may weekend all that is part of our second hour of today's y'all show hour three more sports news we'll have an encore of an interview we did from wednesday with niles reddick i-c-y-m-i in case y'all missed it niles was on our wednesday show talking about books he's written several books we'll discuss a little bit of that but also we'll talk about the new reads from john grisham he's got something out stephen king has a new book out and Niles Reddick's going to have a little something to say about his fellow writers as part of our ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And that'll be in hour number three. All that right here on the show that covers everything Southern. Now, is that a full show or what? Is that a full week? I think it is. I think it is. But you know what? I know and you know we could all do just a little bit more. So that's what we're going to aim for here on the Y'all Show to keep on getting better and having more and more content coming your way. We mix it up like a big old pot of gumbo with news and sports and politics and books and, of course, food. And uh, I'm sure there's a few other things I'm leaving out. A lot of entertainment stuff. Yeah, got to throw that out there. We do it right here on Y'all. We appreciate you for tuning us in, and we aim to be the South's radio and podcast choice and we thank you for being a part of it all right let's dive into what's going on across the southeast here as we wrap up our week of y'all coverage and as we said it's been a nasty couple of days in louisiana and surrounding areas with the rain that has come in and lots of flooding and we now know that in vermilion parish the death has been reported there and that means now louisiana has seen five deaths this week from the storms and the floods that have hit the pelican state as the louisiana department of health verified an additional death on thursday 46 year old man in vermilion parish died after his vehicle crashed into floodwaters and yes the coroner has confirmed this death in these in this parish in louisiana cleveland duhan is the man that died the 46 year old vermilion parish his vehicle crashed into a coulee on Monday while passing through floodwaters. The vehicle was found Tuesday morning, but Duhon was not inside, and a search was ensued, and the 
and authorities there recovered his body from a culvert near where they'd been searching for most of the week, and they found that on Thursday morning. I got to look up that word. That is a that might be a Louisiana word, and I hope I said it right. Are y'all familiar with that that term right there? I just said C O U L E E. I would say that's probably a French word. It could be a French Cajun word. A coulee, a deep ravine, is what it would be called by a lot of people. C coulee is the is the word. That's a new one on me. It's also a lava flow. I don't think they've got too many earthquakes and and things like that are, 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 you know, eruptions like Mount St. Helens along Vermilion Parish in Louisiana. But a, a coulee, check it out. You'll, you'll see it in Louisiana, I guess. That's what they call them, ravines, or what we call hollers filled with kudzu in a large portion of the south there in Cajun country. It's a deep ravine called a coulee. All right. But, yeah, that's where they found, unfortunately, Cleveland Duan's body this week. And, again, five deaths from the flooding and a lot of those were vehicles going into floodwaters, and that all happened here this week in Louisiana. Now, experts are predicting a busy Atlantic storm season, but not quite like 2020. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration forecasting the hurricane season, which runs June through November, says that we'll see about 13 to 20 named storms. Six to 10 of those storms will become hurricanes, and they predict that three to five will be major hurricanes with winds of more than 110 miles per hour, that according to the agency's predictions. But it's unlikely to be as crazy as 2020's record-shattering year, according to meteorologists. Since 1990, a typical hurricane season sees 14 named Atlantic storms, seven hurricanes, and three major hurricanes, a climate normal that has increased in recent decades. And they say that there's a 60% chance that this hurricane season will be busier than normal, but only a 10% chance it will be below normal. And as we said, hurricane season officially begins June 1st, I think is the date. I know it starts in June, whether it's June 1st or a couple of days after that. I'm not a climatologist. I can't tell you everything or a meteorologist either. I'm not even a forecaster. I just talk about the South. Atlantic waters are nearly 0.68 degrees warmer than normal, which is not as hot as 2020 when they were one degree above normal. So how about that? The Atlantic waters have gone down just a hair, and that maybe will make a huge difference in how these storms evolve and end up crashing ashore in the Southeast. We saw in 2020, you know, they, they, they had to extend the alphabet out because they ran out of storms in 2020 with so many storms that happened. Uh, 30 hurricanes, which occurred during the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. It started with Arthur, and it ended with Iota, I think was the last one out there in 2020. Don't want that. And Louisiana, which we've just been talking about, has been hit more than any state here recently with all of the Storms heading into the Gulf Coast of that state. More news coming out of the Pelican State. Police there have said that an initial account of a black man's 2019 death has been contradicted by newly accessed video. Louisiana State Police did not open an investigation into this 2019 death for more than a year, arguing at the time the trooper's force was justified. But now it looks like Dash cam footage and more body footage, camera footage of this 2019 arrest of Ronald Green saying that he died on impact after crashing into a tree following a pursuit. The footage shows a different story. 
It shows troopers there, the LSP, punching, dragging, and using a stun gun on Mr. Green. An emergency room doctor reportedly wrote in a medical report that the trooper's claim does not add up because Green's bruises and stun guns mark. The AP recently obtained footage, which authorities withheld for two years, and is now part of a federal wrongful death lawsuit filed by Ronald Green's family and a federal civil rights investigation. Louisiana State Police say they did not open an investigation into the death following the police chase for more than a year, arguing at the time the troopers there used, and this happened outside of Monroe's where this traffic stop was, they said the troopers' use of force justified awful but lawful, as ranking officials describe it. Now, Mr. Green, the 49-year-old, led troopers there in Louisiana on a high-speed chase just after midnight on May 10th of 2019, just south of the Arkansas line. And just before the chase ends, the trooper there on the radio says, we got to do something. He's going to kill somebody. They ended up having a 46-minute video recorded showing troopers rushing his Mr. Green's SUV after he crashes, telling him to put his hands up. And then the man yells, I'm your brother, I'm scared, I'm scared. And again, at some point, he ends up dying as a result of the activities of this arrest. And the excuse was he, he hit a tree. You'd think that would probably be pretty noticeable when they were out researching this thing in 2019. But right now, an initial account of what happened is being reversed or looked at more thoroughly as law enforcement, this time from Louisiana, has the nation the nation's attention of perhaps a wrongful death there in the hands of law enforcement a judge has dropped murder charges for two mississippi law enforcement officials the state judge in the magnolia state dismissing murder charges against two black police officers accused of body slamming and beating a black man and this happened in the jackson mississippi area a state judge dismissing the body the the footage or the camera the the murder charges against these police officers and i don't know if there is camera footage of this or not but the ruling by hines county judge faye peterson ends the trial of former jackson officers desmond barney and lincoln lampley after hearing prosecution witnesses but without hearing defense witnesses the district attorney said prosecutors failed to present evidence that the officers acted criminally against a 62 year old man george robinson when he was arrested in 2019 and Peterson said there was nothing on its face that was illegal. The detention of a suspect is not a criminal act and there was no proof presented that they were conspiring. Again, this happened in Jackson, Mississippi, two officers who had a man die, I guess, while they were arresting him. Murder charges against them now have been dropped after this body slamming and beating of this black man ended up costing him his life but according to the judge it was justified i guess or nothing was able to be proven to have it be a murder charge against these two black police officers in the jackson mississippi area the united states house has narrowly approved a 1.9 billion dollar measure to fortify the capital this follows the january 6 riot some people call in a surrection you know what? Not one person has been charged with insurrection yet. So I'm I'm not going to use that word, even though some of the news articles call that January 6th incident an insurrection. You, you can charge people. They've had people in jail since January 6th, and they could charge them if they wanted to. But to my knowledge, not one person has been charged with insurrection for that thing. And I tell you, 
if you look into what happened January 6th, and, and I know it was an ugly scene and people should be arrested and charged with trespassing and not entering or entering federal buildings without permission, but some of these people have been in jail for four months now and with no sign, uh, no sign of when they're going to be released, it is really scary out there what's happening. And none of these people, to my knowledge, have been accused of anything violent. I mean, again, the, the worst thing they've done was to enter a federal property without permission, and they should be charged and they should be uh, prosecuted for that. But my goodness, what have we what have we become? And and there's no, I guess, nobody answering the the questions of why are these people still in jail? Why do they not have the the due process and that chance to be bailed out and not sit in jail? There's no chance of bail in a lot of these cases. And so I just had to throw that out there because it's not something really getting talked a lot by a lot of the media. They've, they, they're throwing these people who should be prosecuted for what they did, but my goodness, some of these people don't even have a lot of charges against them, and they're still sitting in jail four months later. And uh, I, I just didn't think we had that kind of deal in this country. But the U.S. House Thursday narrowly approving $1.9 billion to fortify the Capitol after the January 6th riot, if you will, and Democrats push past Republican opposition to try to harden the complex with retractable fencing and a quick response force following the most violent domestic attack on Congress in history. I would agree with that, other than the 18 War of 1812 British Army coming in there and burning the place down. The bill's 213 to 212 passage, they passed by one vote, comes a day after the U.S. House approved the formation of an independent commission to investigate the deadly mob siege by President Trump supporters who battled police to storm the building in a failed attempt to overturn the count of the vote of the 2020 presidential election. But Okay, so it looks like they're wanting to push forward and have this fencing put up there, retractable fencing. I don't, does it disappear at some point? And then a quick response force also will be funded with this $1.9 billion measure. I'm okay with that. Frankly, a little embarrassing that those people were able to get into the U.S. House that day. I mean, they shouldn't have gone there, but how in the world could it have been that easy? They they knew they were coming. They knew they were going to have hundreds of thousands of people there that day that weren't very happy. And I'm sure they have hundreds of people every day, if not hundreds of thousands on occasion, of angry people coming to the Capitol. That doesn't mean they need to get inside the Capitol, but you've got to at least be there on the defense. And I don't think the U.S. Capitol Police Force was ready that day. I don't know what happened. That's what they need to be looking into. I mean, not one protester that day has been charged with having a weapon. The most they had was maybe a flag stick, and the one woman got killed. I would say she was borderline murdered for trying to get into the Capitol with a flag stick. She didn't have a weapon. And she was a Air Force veteran, and that's been brushed under the rug. I mean, I mean, at least have an investigation. I'm not saying that it was something totally wrong by the law enforcement person who shot her, but there was no real investigation, and they didn't call that guy's name out like they do every other time a law enforcement official shoots somebody or kills somebody. Really weird, really, really strange stuff as a result of that January 6th riot, if you will, in Washington, D.C. All right, more news, more things going on around the country. How would you like to have a pick up truck? You know, pick up trucks these days, some of them are costing $75,000. That, that's if you can even get one. 
I mean, go buy a car lot these days, and there are maybe 50% full parking lots of, of the new cars available for you to purchase. And I was having a very lengthy discussion on Thursday with a coworker of mine about that. And he, he was like, golly, there's no cars out there. I said, well, do you know why? And I don't know the real reason, but I think I know the reason. Why do we have a shortage of new cars available? Well, for two main reasons. One is in the height of the pan- pandemic about a year ago, people went on a car buying frenzy, which was great for the car dealers. They had people coming in. They had nothing else to do. They had money. They came in, and they bought a car or a truck, and that was great, except at the same time when all these car dealers were selling cars, a lot of the car manufacturers were not making cars. They were either in areas that had been shut down because of the virus. People were scared to go into work. You're dealing with the unions in a lot of cases, and boy, they have their own way of, of making things happen. And so we just didn't have the kind of force out there making cars to catch up for what was sold. So that's why cars, just like houses, are a hot commodity right now. But how would you like to have a big old Ford F-150 pickup truck that was electric? Well, that looks like what's going to be the push there as Ford is hoping to embrace electric pickup trucks ford is making a bet that the pickup truck will be electric and people will buy it the f-150 lightning will be able to travel up to 300 miles per battery charge thanks to a frame designed to safely hold a huge lithium-ion battery that can power your house should the electricity go out it goes from zero to 60 in just 4.5 seconds starting price around forty thousand dollars that's before the options that sounds pretty good to me. I just, I don't have a Tesla. I don't know how many of you have electric cars out there, but I wonder how much of an inconvenience it is to have a electric vehicle right now. How long does it actually take? I've never tried to charge up a car yet. I have a hard enough time charging a golf cart, and I don't do a very good job of that when I'm around a golf cart that needs charging. But the CEO of Ford is Jim Farley. He said, It's a watershed moment to me. It's a very important transition for our industry. The Biden administration is hoping to push for green energy, and they're driving manufacturers to make more and more electric cars. Critics fear the loss of auto industry jobs and a shift away from gasoline-fueled vehicles, but electric vehicles are, according to many, much simpler, takes fewer workers to build them, and bottleneck supply chains could leave automakers short of computer chips and vehicle batteries along with other parts for months and perhaps years. But if you have an electric car, chances are they've been out long enough now. If you got one, you must like it, because I don't hear too many people saying, man, this electric car is a lemon, and I can't wait to get a gas guzzler again. <laughs> but but the idea of not having a $200 fuel bill every time you go fill up is also a, a welcome change. Surely, and this is, I guess I need to trademark this idea, but isn't there the idea that one day we'll go to a gas station, instead of getting gas, we'll just kind of buy a big old block of, of a battery that's been charged, and we just kind of stick it in our car and, and take off? The the gas stations become charging stations, essentially. And when you travel, you just give the, the station 20 bucks for the right to have a 
big, fresh battery that you can just stick in your car and go. I think that's the way it ought to be. Right now, Tesla has those little charging stations where you have to go plug up and wait for minutes, sometimes maybe 15, 20 minutes, and that might be pushing it with the actual time. But that seems boring. I mean, you've got to kill time when you're getting a, a battery charge with a Tesla. How about if you just had an instant block like a battery like you put that's currently in, in the underneath your hood you just kind of get a, a battery kind of like that ready to go maybe that's already out there if not i just gave y'all a great idea to become trillionaires uh where's the patent and trademark office get me signed up on that idea right now all right lastly here in our headlines as we get this friday edition going a death from muscle shoals alabama one of these swampers has died and a founder of Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, Roger Hawkins, passing away at the age of 75. Roger Hawkins, a member of the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, the studio musicians better known as the Swampers. And, of course, you can hear about the Swampers in the Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home Alabama. The Muscle Shoals Music Foundation confirmed Hawkinson's death. In recent years, he suffered from a myriad of health problems, including COPD, and he died after an extended illness. The Muscle Shoals Music Foundation Executive Director Debbie Wilson, a friend of mine, a friend of the program, with a statement saying, we're going to miss his funny memes and texts and calls to us at the studio. He had such a great sense of humor and loved to talk about drumming always. He was born in Indiana and had been a longtime Muscle Shoals resident. Hawkins played on classic R&B and rock hits that include Mustang Sally by Wilson Pickett. He played drums on When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Chains of Fools, and Think, all by Aretha Franklin, a song we played just the other day on the Y'all Show, I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers, playing on that record. Also, he's on Bob Seger's Old Time Rock and Roll and Clarence Carter's Slip Away. But they say most... People would know him by his immortal groove, and he created a lot of those on the Pickett Smash, the Wilson Pickett Smash, Land of a Thousand Dances. And a true Southern music legend from Muscle Shoals, that Muscle Shoals sound, and this guy truly was a co-founder of Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, Roger Hawkins, a swamper in Southern rock and that blue-eyed soul fame, member of the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, Roger Hawkins, passing away this week at the age of 75. We'll take a break here on Y'all. When we come back, we're going to switch it over from talking about Muscle Shoals music to South Carolina Low Country Golf. It's the PGA Championship taking place right now on Kiowa Island. Jason Nall of College Tour X, he was on our Thursday show previewing the tournament, and he's going to come on for just a few minutes and give us his recap of what happened in round one and what to expect throughout the weekend. It's major golf being played right here in the South this weekend, and we'll have Jason Nall on with us after the break. You're listening to Y'all. I grew up in South Carolina Singing all them bluegrass and country songs I 
I'd sing from Hannah down to Charlestown Getting all the people to sing along To what I call South Carolina Low Country Southern words with an old Sam Those live oak trees and that Spanish moths. The South Carolina Low Country is a magical place. And that was a boy from just up the road from the Low Country, Josh Turner, getting us ready for this segment of the Y'all Show. We're not going to be talking about trees as much as we're going to be talking about golf now. It's Jason Nall now on the Y'all Show as the South Carolina Low Country is hosting this weekend's PGA Championship from Kiowa Island at the Ocean Course there. A course that Jason Nall told us on the Thursday Y'all Show, he's actually mastered. And Jason Nall of College Tour X, he's the managing member of that organization, is back here on this Friday Y'all Show to give us an idea of what happened on Thursday in the opening round of the PGA Championship and catch us up with what he expects to happen throughout the weekend. Mr. Nall, welcome back to y'all. Hello, John. Yeah, good to be back on again. It's a, a great weekend to talk about golf. Yeah, great weekend of golf and a, a beautiful setting there in that low country of South Carolina with the PGA Championship back on Kiowa Island. And I mean, it really, it really is. It's 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 kind of the East Coast Low Country Pebble Beach. You know, I mean, this is this is the ocean course for the East Coast, uh, the premier ocean course, and uh, that course is going to remain center stage for the next three days, and it it really is going to dictate this leaderboard, and it's going to be as fun a leaderboard as you will see all year long on the PGA Tour. Just a lot of movement because the course is so tough condition so demanding yet so beautiful yeah and a name you told us about on thursday see we've got jason Nall on here he knows what the heck's going on and you mentioned a canadian a guy named Corey <laughs> connors a eh? and you said he was a name to be on the lookout for and lo and behold i wake up and i see his name up top the leaderboard yeah so Corey connors came out hot set the pace five under par 67 blazed through the ocean course yesterday two-stroke lead but like i told you you better watch this leaderboard he's four over already this morning and down to 15th place so uh you know i told you that i had a little pizza money i put on Corey connor's on that fan duel app and uh for a top 10 i was feeling great when i went to bed last night now it's been turned on his head he's he's four over through six holes so we gotta get Corey connor's going again all right i'll work on that how about lefty the 51 year old He's in the news with what he did on Thursday. Yeah, so uh, always exciting to see Phil Mickelson on the leaderboard. And uh, he's out hot early, two under par. Um, Got it to three for a minute this morning, back at two under par. But 
really excited to see him in the mix. That'll make for great TV viewing this weekend if we can keep him at the top of the leaderboard. Are you surprised that he's had such a good first round? Nah, not really. Okay. Uh, I'd have been more surprised if Dustin Johnson had a good round. I told you there was something just not right about DJ right now. He was four over in the first round. Uh, Mickelson, I'll be surprised if he can put four great rounds together. Mickelson's always capable of firing a number at you uh, and will be for the next 10, 15 years probably. Uh, Mickelson probably had 18, 20 bets with guys out there, and he probably cleaned up and made his week already. So we'll see if he can keep that fire in his eye. I think what I'm gathering from you is you think that Dustin Johnson needs a little magic, kind of like what John Daly had on hole number one. Yeah, Daly should have quit after one, but it was a heck of a hole number one. He holds out. He's all over the place and holds out from a from a, a native area for a birdie, uh, an incredible shot. And then I think he was 15 over the rest of the round. Maybe. Was he really? Oh, man. Yeah. But it was a heck of a highlight, wasn't it? it Seeing was... John Daly in that Santa Claus beard out there. That's another great thing about the PGA Championship. Much like the Masters, former champions are always invited back. You got John Daly out there holding out on number one, getting the crowd fired up. And then you've got like Rich Beam, a, a relatively no name, but came to fame by winning the PGA back in the 90s. Uh, he was a part-time uh, cell phone salesman and, and got in the PGA and won it and uh, really uh, has made his whole career off of that victory. But he's back in it this week. Had a great opening round, 200 par for Rich Beam. Man, that, that's a name I'd never heard of. I guess I wasn't paying him attention when he you won. Got, you got to check out his, his – his, he's he's kind of a poor man's John Daly. The name of his autobiography is Blood, Sweat, and Beers. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a common man too. All right. So the PGA Tour, the PGA Championship is, is, is a little bit like the Masters. We have old champions in there. We get to check in on some golfers we hadn't thought about in years. And Daly gave us a little firepower there on the first hole. That was fun. Yeah, Beam winning in 2002. Let's not put him too too far back. He won here in, in this century. But, yeah, he's a Austin, Texas resident. Uh, Rich Beam, how about that? All right, Jason, what about, what, what about speaking of Austin, Texas, Jordan Spieth? How did you think yeah. he did? Really good. I, uh, he, he got in at one over par, and, yeah, that was six strokes back. But like we said, like I told you, Corey Connors has already come back to the field. So now the leaders are seven tied at minus three early on this Friday morning. And uh, Jordan Spieth is, is out on the course right now. If he can get in at around even par, uh, that would be an incredible start for Mr. Spieth. He'd be right there in the mix. And this leaderboard's going to move all weekend long. If you can just be within a couple of couple of handful of shots you've got a chance on this golf course all right start for speed what did you think about how the course is set up this year well i mean i i will see it's it's set up longer than any championship course in the history of the pga tour i i I tend to think that it eliminates uh half the field that that can't bomb it 300 plus every time they step up to the tee with a driver over four days i think it's really going to favor the longer players but we'll see. I mean, uh, all the wind, all the other factors of this course, I mean, it may not favor the long player, but it's certainly going to play long for a good, you know, two-thirds of this field. It's going gonna, it's gonna, gonna to be a really long challenge for them. Speaking of bombers, a name I haven't heard a whole lot from you about this tournament is the mad scientist Bryson DeChambeau. 
the current U.S. Open champ. What do you expect from him? Had a good opening round, even par, certainly right where he wants to be. My, what I worry about with all the factors at Keel Island, especially the wind, there's nothing that affects a golf shot more than wind. Not rain, not darkness, anything. It's the wind that is the hardest thing to um, – determine what it's going to do to your golf ball in flight. And so DeChambeau, the mad scientist, uh, he, he examines everything to the nth degree before every shot. I'm afraid with all the factors, especially the wind and everything else that he brings into play a shot, he may have trouble drawing a club back sometimes just thinking about all the stuff he thinks about. But let me tell you, his forecasting, his planning, his uh, – his formula worked well yesterday. He's even par. He's right in the mix. Let's see. DeChambeau, let's go. Yeah, and he did not have the best Masters this year. In fact, you kind of knew early on that this was not going to be a, yeah. a, a successful year at Augusta National. and it, You can't say that here after one round. Well, no. And, and you know, with DeChambeau and, and with most athletes, when you, when you get a little cocky and talk a little trash coming into an event like he has the last two Masters, you're setting yourself up for failure and that's what he did he talked about overpowering the course cutting corners driving par fours at augusta national look the the old girl at augusta national doesn't take kindly to that kind of talk and 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 golf has a way of sorting things out and so dechambeau's been for him under the radar coming into this event a lot less talk let's see if there's a little more action this weekend jason one of the news items from that first round was a slow play penalty given to John Catlin. What is the rule on playing golf on the PGA Tour in terms of timing now? Okay, I'll tell you the rule, and then I'll give you my opinion. All right. The rule The rule is that you should be, uh, once you arrive at your ball, you should be prepared and make your stroke within 45 seconds. Okay, that's the rule. So within 45 seconds of arriving at your ball and becoming your your time to hit in the order, you have 45 seconds to execute the shot. So they called him a penalty for not doing that, for taking longer than 45 seconds once it was his turn to play on the hole to hit a shot. Now, my my opinion is that it's, it's, it's very randomly enforced. All right? My guess is that that group was behind, on, and they were put on the clock, and then they were watching that group, and they determined – that he was the reason the group was behind, probably gave him one warning and then gave him the penalty. But you just don't see it being enforced um, across the board in in the PGA. There's a lot of players that are are slow players. Now, you're talking about a Texan earlier. One of my favorite Texan golfers was Ben Crenshaw from back in the day. Crenshaw, notoriously the slowest player. He'd take two minutes to hit a shot. I don't think he was ever called a penalty for slow play. So, it just um, it's kind of random, but that's it. You have 45 seconds to execute your golf shot once it's your turn to play, and he was outside the 45 seconds. Are we going to start seeing golf courses have big, giant LED scoreboards out there that have a clock on them? Well, you already see it on the European Tour. It's really? Toyed, toyed with, yeah. They've got, a, they've got a shot clock on the player. And uh, it, it's not, it doesn't automatically enforce a penalty, but it's a real visual as to who's a slow player and who's not. So if you watch some of those European tour matches overnight on the weekend uh, when you can't sleep on the golf channel, you'll see down in the corner, not every event, but lots of events show that shot clock. Now, it's not a, it's not like a true shot clock in basketball where if, if the horn goes off, you're 
uh, it's a turnover, but it's just there as a visual graphic for the viewers. Now, whether that ever becomes a part of play where it is a shot clock penalty, so to speak, when that hits zero, that would be interesting. I'd like it. I'm a fast player, uh, and slow play bothers me. In fact, sometimes I, when I'm playing with my group, if somebody's playing slow, I'll play out of turn, and that's kind of against the the the, um, the gentlemanly nature of golf, but I just get tired of waiting, and I'll go ahead and putt or something. <laughs> All right, the rude Jason Nall. We're talking with him, <laughs> the guy who defies golf etiquette here on the Y'all Show. Hey, one Southern boy is not going to be there this weekend at Kiowa. He had to withdraw after a back injury. Sam Burns out of Shreveport, who has won recently the Valspar Championship, the 24-year-old golfer yeah. backing out after an injury. What do we know about that? Uh, not much. Just uh, it, it, just a back injury. Just what you just said. That's all that's out right now. Uh, you know, it's it's a long, hard course to walk, and and uh, if your back's already bothering you, and uh, you're you're out there walking this eight thousand yard course up and up and down the sand mounds over there on the island, uh, maybe uh, that tweaked an existing injury. But I, I can't speculate too much other than what what's being reported. It was just a, a back injury. Mm-hmm. And Sam Burns, again, winning that Valspar Championship near Tampa. He also finished second in the most recent golf tournament there in the Dallas area. So he's been on a tear, unfortunately, this former LSU golfer not making it to Saturday and Sunday because he's had to withdraw from the PGA Championship. It'll be the PGA Championship, your second major of the year. It'll be covered. I guess CBS has the coverage of this during the weekend and at a beautiful location there at the Ocean Course on Kiowa Island. Jason All College Tour X, remind everybody what College Tour X is all about, sir. Uh, yeah, College Tour X, we are uh, an amateur golf tour, and we uh, provide golf tournaments to collegiate players outside of their uh, team schedules and to stay sharp outside of their uh, team seasons, uh, individual tournaments that are world amateur golf ranked. We play great courses all over the southeast, such as Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama. We're going to Pinehurst this summer to play a couple of nice tracks over at Pinehurst. And we'll wrap it up and have our Players' Championship right here in Tennessee at Cleveland Country Club in Cleveland, Tennessee. Check us out on PlayTourX.org. We've got live scoring, and you can follow these great amateurs and tomorrow's professionals. All right. And our managing partner, our we'll call him tour director of the College Tour X, Jason Nall, on with us. He's on the clock, so you better hurry up. Anything else you want to say real quick? <laughs> yeah, I'll just say the, the the 2012 champion who won by nine shots, Roy McElroy, plus three in the opening round. So he has work to do. Needs to get back around even par and get within shouting distance of the top of this leaderboard. It's going to be great. The golf course is going to be the story. Beautiful weather out there all weekend. Uh, it's hard to – it's beautiful all over the south this weekend. It's hard to stay inside and watch TV when the weather's this nice. If nothing else, catch the highlights on live from on the golf channel. All right. You took a little bit too extra much time there. Uh, One-stroke penalty for Jason Nall, College Tour X. I, I, I was under 45 seconds. Uh-huh. It was my time to hit. I'm all right. Go. Thank you, sir. More of the Y'all Show coming up right after this.
fairy tale. I really hate to part with such a lovely chair. If I can't sell it, keep sitting on it before I give it away. All right, we're back here, Friday edition, talking about everything Southern. It's time now on the Y'all Show to have a little fun in what we call hashtag hullabaloo. And this is actually a partial revisit of something from earlier in the week where I failed. I failed, y'all. I should be assessed the penalty here on the Y'all Show. I failed to completely tell you what my train of thought was on a subject because, frankly, well, we ran out of time. But I was talking earlier this week about how a person on Twitter, Dawn Ellen Morris, put out a photo of a beautiful black woman in the 1920s, it looked like, wearing her nice white hat and a white dress and white socks and just a great photo. And Dawn Ellen Morris, well, she thought it was such a great photo. That's why she tweeted it out. And she wrote, the way we were, thank you to the black Southern Belle for posing in this 1920s black Southern Belle. Beautiful. And I agree with that. And I started to talk about how, why do we not have all that many photos of our family members from 100 plus years ago? Was it because taking photos was just that expensive? Was it the fact that there weren't that many photographers? Were our ancestors cheap? What what was the reason? And so I started looking into it because I know that for my great-grandparents, no, rather my great-great-grandparents, everybody should have 16 great-great-grandparents, double great-grandparents. You should have 16. I've only got photos of two of my 16. I've only got photos of, of my great-grandparents where we all should have eight great-grandparents. I think I've got photos of about three or four. And I knew one of my great-grandparents when I was a young boy, so I didn't need a photo of her. I saw what she looked like. But very few of my great-grandparents do I have photos from, and I bet you what I'm telling you is pretty par for the course for all of you. So I had to be thinking, why was that? I researched it. Let me give you an idea of the cost of photos from yesteryear, what those photos cost of that time equals today. So in the 1840s, you had a style of photograph called the daguerreotype. And in 1842, that would cost between $2.50 and $6 to get that really old photo, some of the first photos taken, the daguerreotype. And the cost of that from two fifty dollars in 1842, that's now about nearly $200. Would you pay $200 for a photo? I think I would because if I, if I had taken a photo back in 1842, some idiot named John might be talking about it in the year 2021. And everybody else who didn't get their photo taken, well, you're just out of luck. After that style of photo, the ambrotype came out in the 1850s, and it cost a whole lot less than the predecessor, the daguerreotype. And that cost there would run between 25 cents to 40 cents at the time. That would be about $6 today. I would definitely pay $6 for a nice ambrotype photo. The carte de vite was affixed, and it came out in 1864. That cost today for those types of photos around seven fifty. Again, I would pay seven dollars and fifty cents for a good photo. Have you gone in and gotten a good photo taken lately? It's hundreds of dollars. Go hire a wedding photographer and see what that costs you. Well, at least that's before the pandemic. Maybe maybe there aren't uh, too many options on that anymore. A tin type. Y'all have heard of a tin type? If you had a photo of a, a photo via the tin type back in the eighteen seventies. 
Well, those got to be pretty cheap. Five cents is what the cost was. And today, the cost of a, a daguerreotype through the tintype method is somewhere around $2 for an entire dozen photos. I guess with the iPhones of today, that doesn't even cost really anything except for the cost of the iPhone. So, yeah, we still probably have a better deal now than back then. The cabinet cards, that was a style of photo back in the 1880s. It was very popular. It continued into the 20th century, what's called these cabinet cards, as photographers encourage customers to get many copies to share with friends and family, kind of like the school pictures, if you will. And a dozen copies of these nice cabinet cards cost $2, a dozen copies. And that's a lot of what you have if you've got photos of family members from 100 years ago. Chances are, if they were from the turn of the century, the 20th century, that is, it was this cabinet card style photo and the cost of those today would be about $51 for that entire dozen array of cabinet cards so the point is the old photos from 100 plus years ago not exactly the most expensive thing according to this research that I've been able to pull up here today so what I'm telling you is if you don't have photos of your great great grandpappy and grandmammy there's a chance that they just might have been cheap and didn't want to spend the money for you their descendant to have photos to share and talk about on radio shows and stuff that's just my summation but yeah photos not quite as expensive as as i thought i thought it would have been like a thousand dollars to get one photo taken way back then but according to this article the various types of photos from the 1840s on not as expensive as even today when you go get a nice olin mills photo taken i don't even know if that still exists that's a blast from the past y'all talk with a southern accent we'll be right back we got a southern accent coming from kobe bennett it's a southern accent on sports this is y'all southern accent here's a southern sports update from y'all.com i'm kobe bennett major league baseball has an illegal substance issue on its hands Quite literally, ball doctoring has become rampant in the league with the majority of pitchers using some sort of substance in order to improve the spin and therefore movement of the ball. Whether it be pine tar or sunscreen, so-called grip enhancers have been banned since the 1920s spitball. However, enforcement of the rule has been extremely light, as shown by Gaylord Perry, who freely admitted to it in his 1974 autobiography, Me and the Spitter, and yet continued to play consequence-free to 1983, even being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 91. Now the MLB is taking cautious steps in combating the shady practices by adding new tech to their arsenal that will analyze the spin of the ball for any changes that banned substances might cause. Hopefully these advances will help in straightening the cheating curve in America's greatest pastime. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. And speaking of baseball, in our sports update here on the Y'all Show on this Friday edition, hang on, we've had two no-hitters thrown in baseball this week and both thrown by pitchers with connections to the state of Alabama. I'll tell you about that. One of those pitchers actually played his high school ball for the Madison Central Jaguars in Madison, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. All right. When we come back, Hour 2 is headed your way of y'all talk with a southern accent. Blake Shelton, we're going to salute his brand-new song, Minimum Wage. We're going to hear Craig Faulkner. He'll be dropping by with a fishing forecast. All that on Talk with a Southern Accent, Hour 2, up next.
We've reached Friday. Time to get your party crowd on. It's the Y'all Show Hour 2. Yeah, let me hear from y'all. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. Well, I know, Lord, it was breaking her heart that she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights, misery looking for some company. And tonight I'm looking for a party crowd, slamming her back and laughing out loud with the smoke so thick, the blues can't hang around. Just don't care if they're dancing over here Or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd Alright, now get ready to sing a minute It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try to recall Just where the heck's my truck So take my key Lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow When it comes to light The night's still young And I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back And laughing out loud With the smoke so thick And blues can't hang around With the jukebox Jumping like they just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rounds, looking for a party crowd. All right, yeah, it is Friday. It is time to get your Friday on. And that's what we do each and every week, thanks to this Friday free for y'all. Oh, yeah. Okay, it is time now to get those vocal cords a going. I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming them back And laughing out loud Where the smoke's so thick The blues can't hang around A little louder now With the jukebox Jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here Or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd Laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick The blues can't hang around mm-hmm. Jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here Or fighting over there Oh yeah, if that doesn't get you in a happy mood I don't know what will Oh, well, excuse me This is y'all talk with a southern accent And our featured fight song if you will for the weekend party crowd david lee murphy we hope y'all are ready to have a good party weekend it is time for us to party good lord we've been trapped up we've been working all week we've been dealing with the kitties the kitties a lot of them are getting out of school right now for the summer if not this week maybe next week it is time to have one big old party and that's what we are doing right here 
not even virtually. We're really having a party on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. It is hour number two. It is great to be back with you here talking about the South and so much more. And we do this each every Friday, getting you ready for that big weekend with talk about fun. You know, you, you've had enough problems. It's just time to talk about having F-U-N. And that's what we do here when we get together with this, the Y'all Show free for y'all each and every week. And we're going to take you now to do something a little bit left of center, right of center, depending on how you feel. We're going to do something we don't often do here when we get together for this portion of the Y'all Show each week. We're going to let you hear some brand new music. A lot of times on this feature, we have great songs of yesteryear as a feature here of what we do. But we're not going to do that today. We're actually going to play you brand new music, and I'm not BSing you. We're going to have brand new music from Mr. BS, Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton has a brand new album out today. Today! And we're going to let you hear the lead single from this brand new album that is out today. I kid you not. I am not BSing you. And you're going to have a chance to enjoy sounds from the new album and body language is the new album out today, May 21st. And Blake Shelton has just announced friends and heroes, 2021 tour, the Oklahoma native. This is a big day for him. So we're going to let him have his big day right here on the y'all show. Thanks to his new song, Blake Shelton, the talented 44 year old Ada, Oklahoma native Blake Tolleson Shelton. He'll be turning 45 here in about a month. So happy mid-40s, Blake Shelton. Born in Ada to Dorothy, a beauty salon owner, and Richard, a used car salesman. And that is a pretty good country combo combination, having a mama that's a beauty salon owner and a daddy that's a not a car salesman, a used car salesman. Blake began singing when he was a young boy. By the age of 12, he had taught himself how to play the guitar at age 15 he had written his first song, and by 16, he had received a Denbo Diamond Award in his native Oklahoma, a state known for incredible musicians, especially country music musicians. After graduating high school in, let's see, at the age of 17, so he would have probably been, this is early 90s, Blake Shelton moved to Nashville to pursue a singing career. He got a job at a music publishing company. In 1997, he got a record deal with Sony. And came out, do y'all remember his first single? I do. It actually was a single and a song that was about a, was it about a girl or was it about a town? It was called Austin. And even though he had been in Nashville for a couple of years, it wasn't until 2001. His song really was one of the first songs, from my knowledge, to be a hit following the September 11th attacks. A lot of musicians i had a roommate who was on capitol records a roommate i moved to nashville with who got a a record deal on a major label had a music video with trace adkins things were going good for him his first single came out in july of 2001 boy he was excited i was happy for him college college classmate from the citadel and uh, Jamie, Jamison Clark, he went by Jamie, but his record label, they call him Jamison Clark. He came out, had a couple of songs, but he was forgotten about. Now, that's often the case with any artist. 
a lot of times it just doesn't work out. That's the that's actually the norm. To actually crack through and become a big success is pretty unusual. Well, his excuse to me, and, and it's a valid excuse, was after September 11th happened in 2001, man, everything changed. And, and the record labels weren't looking for new artists to break for a while. And so that's what happened to my old roommate. But for Blake Shelton, somehow, Austin did crack through and he went on to have a number one song with that debut in 2001 a platinum record as well he also had the number one song and this is a fantastic song came out in 2002 2003 timeline the baby oh what an awesome song number one from him I'll, I'll never forget the line about him trying to get back to see his mama as she was dying she wanted to see her baby and as a baby boy myself and i've got a little baby boy of my own I want my kid, yeah, to be rushing back one day if I'm sitting there on my deathbed. And, and you know, my mama, I might be rushing back to see her uh, if that were to be the case. But, yeah, The Baby is a fantastic song from Blake Shelton, a number one. He's had a bunch of number one songs. And so we want to give him plenty of credit. He's got this new song out right now. It's called Minimum Wage, and it is from this brand-new album that we mentioned called Body Language. And it's a song written by Corey Crowder, Jesse Frazier, and Nicole Gallion. Minimum Wage from Blake Shelton. It came out earlier this year on Warner Brothers, to his credit. I think he's had the exact same record label all these years, Blake Shelton. And it is a good country love song done in a unique way, to his credit. And we're going to play it in just a second. But let me tell you a little bit more about this new album and what's going on with Blake Shelton. I just got this email in in the last few hours so i wanted to share it with you as this album body language is brand new today and as i said he's got a tour coming out country music superstar blake shelton celebrating the launch of his 12th studio album body language with a television takeover already this week he stopped by the kelly clarkson show with his fellow coaches from the voice and made a virtual visit to the tonight show and today i think it is he's on the city music series on today So maybe you tuned in and saw Blake Shelton on the Today Show, probably playing what we're about to play here. And Blake performs songs from Body Language on a variety of outlets for viewers around the world, including the Y'all Show, if you will. So today, let's see, his busy schedule today was on the City Music Series on NBC. You may have already seen it. Maybe you're you're TiVoing the Today Show and you'll get a chance to see him as part of the I think it was the first city music series in two years of the Today Show, and Blake was the featured performer on this Friday. He's going to be on The Voice. That'll be Monday. Blake will be there performing on an episode on Monday. He also will be on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on Monday, and then next week is when he'll be on The Kelly Clark Show, Kelly Clarkson. She'll have him on next week. So, yeah, it's the brand-new album from Blake Shelton. This is a 12-track album that you can find from him, and I don't see any co-writes that he's got. He's been busy doing TV. He hasn't had time to be writing songs that I can see, but I'm looking for some familiar names of some of the co-writers on some of these songs. Uh, Pretty big name in Nashville, Shane McAnally with a co-write of The Flow. That's on there. And how about a good West Tennessee girl. She's got a couple of co-writes on this new album. Jessie Alexander. She is from Decatur County. Not all that far from Jackson. And not all that far from Lexington, Tennessee. Jessie Alexander 
who's been a singer-songwriter in her own right. She's got a couple of co-writes on this new album, Now I Don't, and Mama, or rather, Monday Morning Missing You. She's got those out there on this new album from Blake Shelton. So good music. Now, if you want to see Blake Shelton in person, he's got his brand new Friends and Heroes 2021 tour dates announced. And it's going to kick off not right this second. You're going to have to wait a little longer. I guess he and and his lady friend have some things scheduled in Hollywood, and they're not going to necessarily have a chance to go out. His lady friend, of course, Gwen Stefani, who he's been tied to since 2015, and they are currently betrothed. And when maybe he gets to be 45, he can put a a diamond on her and, and tie the knot. But His tour kicks off in Omaha August 18th. As far as Southern dates, he'll be at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville September 9th. Blake Shelton will be in the Low Country. He'll be at the North Charleston Coliseum on September 16th. Then he'll be scooting up to the Upstate. He'll be at Greenville, South Carolina's Bon Secours Wellness Center on September 17th. He'll be just outside of Atlanta at Duluth at the Infinite Energy Center there on September 18th. St. Louis, he'll be at the Enterprise Center September 23rd, Tulsa, back in his native Oklahoma. He'll be there on the 24th of September. And his southern leg of Friends and Heroes 2021 will be winding down in Fort Worth, Texas at Dickey's Arena September 25th. The actual tour does not officially end as of right now until October 2nd. He'll be in Milwaukee for the conclusion of Friends and Heroes 2021. Blake Shelton, again, a brand new album here as you get ready for the weekend. And we're going to be playing this lead-off single from the album. It's called Minimum Wage and a fun song. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Alabama's old song, 40-Hour Week. Yeah, Minimum Wage. Enjoy it here. And some of you out there are making Minimum Wage. I think you'll like this one. We're going to try to get you a raise to at least 15 bucks an hour one of these days. Here's Blake Shelton on the Y'all Show Friday edition. Yeah! On a dive bar stage, split an all star special on our first date in a Waffle House booth. Your daddy was crying when he gave you away. Cause all those country songs I played, they didn't come with a 401k. But hey, I had you. You can make a six pack on the carpet, taste like a million dollar bill. You can make a one bedroom apartment feel like a house up on a hill. You can make my truck out in
minimum wage. All right, that is the new single from Blake Shelton, Minimum Wage, from the new album that is out today. Body Language on Warner Brothers, the imprint there. Check it out and give Blake a little money. I know he's hurting, and he's been trying to get past minimum wage, and you can help him by supporting his brand-new album, Body Language. It's out today here on the Y'all Show. What do y'all think of that? Let me know. 803-816-1170 is the way to weigh in on Blake Shelton's new album and new song there and reading through some interesting prose about this new album. According to one website, various music critics and the general public describe the money-centric lyrics of Minimum Wage as insensitive and tone-deaf amidst economic consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. Blake Shelton later addressed the criticism, revealing he felt listeners misinterpreted the song. Well, I heard it loud and clear. And let me tell you one thing. I could relate to this song. I just had an all-star special from Waffle House, as this song talks about that in the opening lines. And that something a lot of us can relate to. He's right on that. But let me tell you, Blake, I'm going to be a little bit of a critic here on this song, Minimum Wage, because let me tell you, if you're making minimum wage and you're a fella, I think you've got a lot less chance of getting that pretty girl. Yeah, you need to get a, a little bit more than minimum wage, I think. I, I could be wrong, ladies. I apologize. I don't want to come across here, as they just said, insensitive and tone deaf. But, uh, yeah, you need to be making more if you want to get the pretty girl. I, I think it would help at least. So all of you out there making minimum wage, if you got you a good steady squeeze, we're happy for you. And enjoy this song and enjoy the weekend. It's the Y'all Show. Blake Shelton, congratulations. Again, this is his 12th album, 12th studio album out today, produced by Scott Hendricks, the guy that used to be kind of teamed up with Faith Hill. And Corey Crowder wrote this song alongside Jesse Frazier and Nicole Gallion, Minimum Wage. And we have a fun time introducing you to new music and new albums. And that's what we've just done here on the show all about the South, thanks to Blake Shelton. When we come back after the break, we're going to switch over and talk about the latest trends, not in music, but in fishing. Craig Faulkner will be on. It's our fishing forecast, getting you ready for the lake and for the great outdoors across the Southeast. Stay tuned. Yeah, your love can make a man feel rich on minimum wage. Girl, your love is money. Your love is money. Yeah, your love can make a man feel rich on minimum wage. Make a living from walking in the woods. You can bet I'd be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass, never worry about the price of gas. I'd be wheeling and dealing and sitting there reeling them in, hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting and fishing, loving every day. Oh, yeah, the weekend is here. Time to get your hunting and fishing on, courtesy of Craig Faulkner and 
the fishing forecast here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. And I have taken a quick look at the weekend weather forecast across the South, and I think it looks pretty darn good. In fact, it looks a little warm. Mid-May, here we are. Craig Faulkner, here you are. And let's get our fishing forecast in from you. How, 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 I, how am I doing on my weather forecast? I was actually going to talk about the same thing myself. Oh. So you're right on point there, John. All right, well, what you got to say? I know you can do it better than I can. Well, it's actually got more to do with weather and boating uh, and Memorial Day be, being the official kickoff of the pleasure boating season. Oh. Going to make boat traffic a little uh, difficult uh, for the fishermen. And it comes on every year as long as you plan your trips early in the morning. It's been my experience the pleasure boaters don't crank up till about 11 o'clock. And uh, being that the temperature is rising, it's probably good to plan early or late afternoon trips also. Uh, not just for the fish bite, but for the comfort of being on the water and not just frying in an aluminum pan. Uh, what, I, what I'd suggest uh, before you go, though, make sure you're checking uh, boating regulations uh, in your state. Uh, it can really ruin a day if you don't have all the equipment in your boat or property license. Uh, just double-check with your state agency to make sure you're covered on all bases. Got the right number of life jackets, got a noisemaker, uh, got a paddle, got a throw cushion. Lots of different little restrictions you might need to check up on. Uh, even if you've been a boater over the years, some things change from year to year also. So make sure and check your state's uh, regulations on boating. Uh, another thing that people should be aware of this time of year, uh, don't forget the sunscreen. Uh, that can also make for a bad trip for a couple of days after. Get a little sunburn on that neck. And the polarized sunglasses. You know, take all the food and drinks and whatever you want to take, but make sure you take the sunscreen and the sunglasses. Hmm. That can make and break a day right there. Is there any way to cheat on the sunscreen? Is there some kind of clothing you can wear or something like that to avoid? There are. um, There's a number of different uh, fabrics that are out nowadays uh, that uh, have like a sunscreen protection on them. You're exactly right, one of the guys I fish with a lot uh, is real fair-skinned redhead, and uh, he abides by everything he can do because he got burnt, you know, back in the early days, and he's had to pay for it now with the, uh, I forget the little surgeries you have, to have those little spots removed from time to time. Yeah. Those sunspots. And, uh, of course, that's an afterthought now. That was decades ago when that started developing, and, and that's probably when people. Uh, I don't even know if sunscreen was out back then. I can remember. <laughs> I can remember back in the day when I was a kid, and uh, my mother sunbathing in the backyard, putting on uh, cooking oil on her. People just they didn't know back then. But uh, yeah, that's it's a good thing to uh, adhere to that sunscreen. Uh, another thing for the fishermen this time of year, with it getting hot like it is. Uh, not only planning your trips early and late, but look ahead. Uh, if, you, if you're familiar with the lake or the lay of the lake, uh, I've got a lake I fish a lot in the summertime, hot months, and I'll go to the east bank, and there's a ridge line and a tree line, 
and I can actually stay in the shade till about 11 o'clock, and it's about time to go. So if you know a lake or a river or pond, the east side, and it's got some blockage behind it, uh, you can stay out of the sun a lot longer in the morning. Talking to Craig Faulkner here, our fishing forecast on this Friday Y'all Show. And one thing I do want to make sure, in case y'all are sitting here looking at your phones or on your calendar, Memorial Day is another weekend away. This correct, this correct. weekend here is just a precursor to Memorial Day. But just wanted to make sure y'all knew that. Uh, but this is a good test run, if you will. You're talking about the bright light, Craig, and the waters of the south. How are fish in the water? Do the fish like sunlight, or do they like shadows like we like shadows? Fish uh, do not like bright sunlight. Uh, a fish doesn't have eyelids like we do, so their eyes are wide open. So, you know, they they want to get out of the sunlight, especially if it gets too bright. And that is also affected by the water color. Of course, the clearer the water is, the brighter the sun's going to be. The murkier it is, uh, it's not going to affect them as bad. Uh, another thing that affects them is the wind or the wave action. A choppy water will delete the sunlight coming straight through also. Uh, another thing about fish and shade, uh, game fish or sport fish are all predators. So what they will tend to do is they'll try to get on a shady spot that's right next to a sunny spot. So they're, they're kind of camoed, and when the bait fish come by, they can surprise them surprise attack jump on the minnows or the crawfish or whatever might be coming by because they're uh, somewhat hidden in the shade even without any cover and uh, a lot of times when you're on the water and you're looking you can see a shade line on the water that line right there is generally a real good line to be fishing on right on the edge of the shade in the sun are you catching both the predator and the prey no, I'm I'm going for the predator. My bait is the prey. <laughs> okay, all right. What about I guess well, another thing when you factor in sunlight on the water is the animals like birds that go into the water and catch these fish. I guess a bright sunny day makes it a lot easier to be spotted. Yeah, they can see into the water better, and mm-hmm. especially the clearer water. Also, mm-hmm. most certainly can. Yeah. So I'm sure if you're a fish, you want to. Go as far down as you can on those bright sunny days and to avoid the bald eagles of the world and also to avoid the Craig Faulkners of the world. Exactly. Not not that I'm insinuating you're a bald eagle or anything. It's the fishing forecast here on the Y'all Show. Craig Faulkner, we're having a good time talking about fishing and more. What else we got here this weekend, mid-May, from a non-fishing standpoint? Uh From a non-fishing or a game standpoint, this is time of year that uh, – the deer and the turkeys uh, are dropping their young, and uh, it's about June in this area when the uh, deer drop and the turkeys are being you mean hatched. Have already. babies? What's that? Are we talking about having babies? Yeah, having babies. Drop, drop. Yeah, drop them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, with the turkeys, the eggs hatch. <laughs> yeah, I got you. But you won't be seeing them for another couple of weeks, but. Uh, when they get up and start wobble-legging, walking around, you need to watch for them. Uh, you know, it'd be easy to hit one with your car. And kind of off of the wildlife subject and safe driving, it's also planting season throughout the south for the farmers. 
So be respective and patient with the farmers out there pulling big planters and spray rigs down the road. They're going just as fast as they can, and uh, they're providing our country with a great resource. Yes, they are, and uh, that stuff will be coming ready to pick normally in September and October is when that's going to be going on, but they got to get all the stuff in preparation for that done this time of year. And you bring up a good point. Uh, just kind of get over if you're meeting them on a two lane road, definitely get over well into the shoulder of the road because some of those tractors are bigger than a house. Especially nowadays. Yeah. And planters, they go on forever. They, they do. I'm a little jealous when I was growing up on a, farm we had tractors but none of them looked as big as those things are now and i'm and some of them are so high you almost have to have a a 30-foot ladder to even get on the tractor i'm I'm jealous that i didn't have a chance to play around with those growing up craig we talked about this the other day this is a time of year from a game standpoint that you can go out and practice with your dogs or whatever what 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 are the common things people are practicing here in may uh People with hunting dogs, number one, like to keep the dogs in shape. And number two, like to keep their mind on the game. So a lot of people, you can run your coon dogs this time of year. Uh, You can tree the coons. You can spot the coons. You just can't shoot the coons. Mm. Uh, You can do the same thing with the bird dogs and the quail. Uh, You can run your dogs. They can point them. You can flush them. It's just no guns involved. And... uh, Probably right now is getting close to the end because it's going to be pretty hot for dogs here before long. But for the next couple uh, weeks, you still be fine out there running your dogs. Make sure you carry some water for them. All right. Well, this is a biological question since we're talking about dogs and hunting and, and even deer. You mentioned earlier that the deer will be dropping. Right. And born. In June. In, in this particular area. Why? Uh, I mean, is that just a natural clock inside a deer that that's when? Well, they... uh, no, it's not going to be June everywhere. It depends on when the rut comes in okay. in the fall. Uh, in, in this particular area, it's uh, probably right around the week before Thanksgiving to two weeks after Thanksgiving. That's the prime rut in, in this particular area. Mm-hmm. Now, different areas of the south, I know in South Alabama, they have a real late rut down there. It goes all the way uh, up in January. Hmm. And uh, it's different by states, and uh, it's something that evolved over the decades uh, depending on a lot of uh, geographic factors and weather factors in different areas. I've read that uh, certain areas of the country uh, delay the rut, this by evolution, because it's flooding in the particular time of the spring. It will be flooding here. It might be flooding in an area. And evolution over the years has developed a later rut for a later birth of the deer. Hmm. What about people who have dogs? You mentioned how people are practicing and getting their dogs trained. Some of these dogs are quite expensive. Is there a better time of year for a hunting dog to be hatched? (laughs) <laughs> i mean that's a serious question since you want to if you got a fresh dog you want it out there well i i guess you go back to the rut when the dog comes in heat that's the rut <laughs> okay they, they don't necessarily follow the same schedule no, no no yeah see you know you're laughing but i don't know i'm not a country boy quite like you are i'm country in a different way but uh i've never had expensive dogs have you ever had an expensive hunting dog my dad was a uh 
raised coon dogs my entire life and before I was even born. Uh, for years, we took our family vacations on wherever, whatever state the world champion coon hunt was in. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I, my dad had expensive dogs my entire life. When would he have wanted a dog to be born? Uh, probably in uh, late spring, early okay. spring. Give it plenty of time to. Right, before cold, you know, you, you don't want dead of winter, you know, just for keeping dogs. All right. Well, we are talking about nature and more here on this fishing forecast with Craig Faulkner. Craig, we hope you have a wonderful weekend. Whatever you're going to be doing, fishing, hunting, etc., or practicing hunting, we'll see you back here next week. It's Craig Faulkner, our fishing forecast here on the show all about the South. Thank you. Stay tuned. More of y'all coming up after this break. Still the keys to a fastback Ford. You know I'm gonna stop you here to open the door and let you have it. Yeah, it's like your magic. You could hang around at the scene of the crime with red up on your hands. No one's batting an eye like they don't see it. I can't believe it. You do what you wanna do and all. All right, we're back talking about the South. Hope y'all are enjoying this y'all show. We're having a good time here, and uh, ain't no reason y'all shouldn't be having a good time on y'all. Yeah, that's how I feel at least. Looking back at some headlines across the Southeast, we know that we've had a lot of soggy weather weather along the Louisiana coast here in the last couple days. In fact, a death count in Louisiana has now climbed to five storm-related deaths here. The most recent confirmation of a death came Thursday. A Vermilion Parish man found dead after he was found in a ravine, or as they say in Cajun country, a coulee. As authorities finding the body of Cleveland Duhon, his vehicle crashed into this ravine Monday while passing through floodwaters. And now, unfortunately, a fifth death in Louisiana from the rain and storms and flooding around there experts predicting this season's atlantic storm season to not quite be as numerous as 2020 storm season when we had i think it was close to 30 hurricanes that came ashore or formed in the atlantic and the atlantic storm season the hurricane forecast runs through june through november and according to the national oceanic and atmospheric administration they predict between 13 to 20 so we'll just say an average of 17 storms projected in the 2021 atlantic hurricane season let's hope that number is far fewer than what we expect another story coming out of louisiana police now 
it looks like caught red-handed as the police in 2019 arrested a man, claimed that when he died while they were in the process of arresting him, died from the accident that he had had because they had been chasing him for quite some time in the Monroe, Louisiana area. Now it appears the video that's just recently been accessed by the Associated Press, the video shows a different story from what was reported in the death of this man. A high-speed chase, May 10th of 2019, and the man, Mr. Green, Ronald Green from Louisiana, got in a chase, ended up being arrested by Louisiana State Troopers, and footage, which the authorities withheld for two years, now part of a federal wrongful death lawsuit filed by Ronald Green's family and federal civil rights investigators, shows a different story, shows that the man essentially begging for his life and he it doesn't add up one person says the force at the time was put as awful but lawful ranking officials described the arrest of the 49 year old man in 2019 but a 46 minute video shows troopers rushing mr green's suv after it crashes after this chase and they tell him to put his hands up they also use a stun gun on him multiple times and he's heard saying, I'm your brother, I'm scared, I'm scared. And after he gets out of the car, the video shows troopers wrestling Green to the ground, putting him in a chokehold and punching him in the face. And more happened there. Again, the original report was that the man died as a result of the chase and I think crashing his car there in the Monroe area of Louisiana. But the video tells a different story. Kind of weird how we're just now seeing this video Kind of weird how this could end up being the next big story. And we'll find out what happens here. But uh, the stun guns seem to be something, and I'm not in law enforcement. I know they have a purpose, but we're seeing way too many cases of stun guns being used. And I don't know how much they can adjust the voltage on those things, but it looks like they can be certainly deadly. They can definitely lead to death in some cases. And in the case of the female officer in that Minneapolis suburb she got it appeared confused her stun gun with a actual pistol and she killed the man when she was arresting him an update from Mississippi a judge has dropped murder charges against two cops in that state state judge saying these two black police officers in the Jackson Mississippi area did not commit murder when arresting a black man there 62-year-old George Robinson arrested in January of 2019. And according to the judge there, Faye Peterson in Hines County, Mississippi, there was nothing on its face that was illegal. The detention of a suspect is not a criminal act, and there was no proof presented that they were conspiring. So these two law enforcement officials in Jackson, Mississippi, not going to be indicted on murder charges here That's this week. We'll also let you know about this story. Hey, If you need to get somebody in trouble, if they come after you and you're not happy, you can do something about them. You can put blue slime on them. Uh, Yeah, this happened in the Pensacola area as a young girl fought off a strange man who had just grabbed her by the throat. And Elisa Bonnell threatened, this man threatened her with a knife and dragged her toward his van. But this young girl, the 11-year-old Pensacola girl, She had the presence of mind to get as much of the blue slime that she had been playing with on him as possible so that police could later identify him. And sure enough, she said that 
she saw the importance of evidence from her favorite TV show, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and Alyssa, who was attacked Tuesday in Pensacola as she awaited her school bus, her near abduction captured by a neighbor's home security camera. This is not fake news. You can see it. She used blue slime on this guy, and it ended up where Jared Paul Stanga got arrested after a massive man, manhunt, and his arms were streaked with blue dye. The 30-year-old man in jail on a $1.5 million bond on charges of kidnapping, battery, and assault. Next time your kids are playing, make sure they got some blue slime. I don't know what the brand name of this slime was, but speaking of slime, it looks like a real slime ball there trying to take this 11-year-old girl as she's out there having a good time in the Pensacola area. Yeah, we love the South here on this show, but we got some real slime balls. But thankfully, blue slime comes to the rescue for this young girl, and, and we've got a positive story to report. When we come back after this break here on the Y'all Show, we'll wrap up this hour with a look at what are some of the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. It's Y'all Talk with an accent on all things Southern. Wrapping up this second hour, the final stanza of this hour. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show. A look at some new movies hitting theaters. Some of these movies were supposed to come out in 2020, but we know what happened there. Damian Lewis stars in the new movie Dream Horse hitting theaters this weekend. Riders of Justice is out this weekend. And that is a Anders Thomas Jensen directed action comedy Zone 44414 is out this weekend, starring Guy Pierce, Andrew Baird directing that. The Dry out this weekend. That's a Robert Connolly-directed crime drama. Favalos is out this weekend. That is a, it looks like an Italian drama thriller available in select theaters. American Fighter, kind of a out this weekend. Sean Patrick Flannery is among the stars in this one. New Order. A drama out this weekend as well. Those are some new movies in theaters this weekend. Hit the theaters if you'd like and enjoy your mid-May weekend. We've got another hour of Talk About the South coming up right after this. This is the Y'all Show. I'm on my way to New Orleans this Well, we have hit the final hour of this show for the week. It is a pleasure to serve you and y'all. I'm John Rawl. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We are powered by the homepage of the South, y'all.com. Go there right now and find out what's going on across the Southland. We've got some fantastic video interviews. Many of those interviews you've heard right here on the Y'all Show, but you can watch them in the process and we've got so much good stuff there that we are proud to show off here at the y'all show and more stuff coming let me go ahead and just brag about what we've got coming up next week on the y'all show if our people and other people's people all get together and we just have a people summit how about this lineup next week 
We're going to have on the Y'all Show a member of a retired investigator. I mean, I got to be watching my P's and Q's next week for sure. Jimmy Leach is a friend of the show, and Jimmy Leach is going to be dropping by. He's got a brand new book out, and it's about murder. Oh, Lordy. So get ready for a fun, informative look at murder and more. Jimmy Leach will be on the Y'all Show next week with a fantastic look at his brand new read. He's going to come join us, and we'll have that opportunity to let you hear all about his book, that is out, and it's it's again murder centric. Here, here's a guy who's a retired investigator with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and Jimmy Leach's new book is "Murders: A Tough Business" by Jimmy or AKA Jim Leach, and he'll be one of our guests next week. That's cool. So, with the courts of the world in mind, with Jimmy Leach having a murder centric book being a tough business, as he writes. What would be the opposite of, a, I guess, a case where you've got someone on trial, you've got the defense, and you've got the prosecution? I guess Jimmy might represent the prosecution in these murder cases. The opposite of that, not necessarily for murder, but the defense. We're going to have one of the nation's most admired and respected defense attorneys so much so that he actually helped represent Donald Trump in his impeachment trial. We are scheduled to have next week on the Y'all Show, Alan Dershowitz drop by for an interview. And so we're going to have that on. And why are we having Alan Dershowitz, I think a native of New York, I think. He's now a Floridian. And so this South Florida resident, how odd that a person from the North would settle and live in their senior years in Florida, huh? especially South Florida. Alan Dershowitz has a new book, and he's going to be on to talk about it next week if we can get it all worked out. So stay tuned for more information on that. Dershowitz, you've seen him on TV. You've seen him through the years. And again, help represent Donald Trump in the impeachment trial of 2020. And he'll be on the Y'all Show next week if it all works out. So that's just two of the great interviews that we'll have for you coming up next week we still got a whole nother hour of the y'all show today that we've got to talk about and we're going to do that let's talk a little sports if you don't mind jason nall was on with us in hour number one talking about the pga championship that's taking place right now on kiowa island an awesome place you know what i grew up in south carolina i'm a proud south carolinian I've only been to Kiowa Island one time in my life, and it was because I was invited to go there to see some people who were vacationing there. It is not a place where locals go. First of all, you really have to want to go to Kiowa Island, although it's right near Charleston. It's at least a 45-minute drive from the city down across James and John's Island. Yeah, they got an island down there named after me. And uh, you've got to really got to make the effort to want to go there and be a visitor at Kiowa Island. But if you're able to go, you'll have a great time. And if you're able to live there, I think I'm right. You've got to be a multimillionaire. Those homes on on Kiowa Island in South Carolina are expensive. And the people that I went to see, yeah, they were rich. And 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 you know what? I got off that island pretty quick because they didn't want me lingering when I went to see that place. But I never saw the golf course for whatever reason. I'm more of a Hilton Head Bluffton kind of guy when I'm in that part of the world. I love the, the area there. Although, Kiowa was nice, and you're not far there from Wadmalaw. Check that out. They even have their own 
Wadmalaw salad, which is filled with tomatoes, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, the PGA Championship, it is going on right now on Kiowa Island at the Ocean Course, the second major of the year. We just saw the first major back in April at Augusta National, not all that far from Kiowa Island. Just across that Savannah River in Georgia is where you'll find Augusta National. But on the opposite side of the Savannah River Banks in the Palmetto State is where the PGA Championship is at Kiowa. And a quick look at the latest scoreboard, South African golfer Brandon Grace right now has a two-shot lead as he is five under in the second round. And some other names somewhat familiar, Keegan Bradley, who is a U.S. Open winner, he's also doing pretty well. He hasn't even teed off as of right this second, and he's sitting at three under after his first round. Brooks Kepka also with a pretty good day on Thursday. Kepka is at three under, and I'm kind of scanning for any kind of southern connections here. I will tell you that Mickelson has not had the best of days today. He's been over par, but he did have a good first round. So for all of you lefty fans, hey, Ricky Fowler doing pretty well. Here's a guy who still has not won one single major a former PGA champion, former Auburn golfer, Jason Duffner, with a pretty good round on Thursday. He's one under. Jason Duffner, he's due to win another big one sometime soon. Former Georgia Tech golfer, a guy who's around 50 years old, Stuart Sink, shooting one under in his first round. Stuart Sink had a very good Masters this year, and then he also went on to win a tournament at Hilton Head, not far, just down the coast from Kiowa. He won the Heritage just a few weeks back. So Stuart Sink, Back up, doing good. The Florence, Alabama golfer now calls the Atlanta area home. How about former Longhorn golfer Will Zatorius? He is in the clubhouse, or he went in the clubhouse pretty well. He's not doing as good on this Friday round, but look for Blondie Will Zatorius in this PGA Championship this weekend. And that's a real quick look at what's going on as you have this $12 million purse up for grabs. The defending champion of the PGA Championship is Colin Morikawa. He won that in the San Francisco area when the PGA Championship was last held. But this weekend, a second major of the year, it's the PGA Championship from South Carolina. All right, let's move over to talk a little college football, if you don't mind. And in the sport of college football, you have... Football games kicking off Labor Day weekend, and ESPN has announced its opening weekend lineup. National champion Alabama will face Miami in Atlanta at the Chick-fil-A kickoff, while Clemson and Georgia will be at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte to get their 2021 seasons underway. So pretty big football games going on that opening week of college football start And some teams I'm seeing move up their schedules. You're going to start seeing Thursday games of note. I know Coastal Carolina, it looks like the team that was sort of a uh, Cinderella team of 2020, they're going to start their season on a Thursday as opposed to Saturday, trying to get a little bit of attention for that Sunbelt Conference team. Yeah, college football. Now, what are we looking at? Uh, Just over three months from starting, you'll likely see some games played the weekend before Labor Day. I don't have that lineup in front of me, but yeah, it is here. It's coming quick. And you're going to see teams get into their respective camps and have college football practice and drills and players report and summer school and more. It's going to be kind of like the good old days all over again. And we're excited about that for the return of 
of college football. Let's tell you a little bit, if you don't mind, about what's going on in terms of college baseball. As right now, this weekend, it's the final weekend of college baseball's regular season. And because of that, most conferences move their schedules up one day. So you're having Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for the most part around college baseball. And if we look at what happened on Thursday across the Southeast in terms of the top 25 college baseball teams, the East Carolina Pirates, man, what a great day. They had doubleheader on Thursday, and they beat South Florida on the road, winning 10-1 to and 5-2 to to start their series. UNC's Charlotte lost to the fellow North Carolina school, UNC Wilmington, in Conference USA action there. That was a non-conference game against UNC Wilmington. Virginia Tech is not ranked. They were hosting number eight Notre Dame, and the Hokies fell in that ACC battle eight to two. FSU in a top twenty-five matchup in Raleigh. NC State wins that one on Thursday, six to four. It was Mississippi State winning the battle of Highway eighty-two as the number ten Bullies went over to Tuscaloosa and won four to two on Thursday. Louisiana Tech ranked number fourteen. They lost to the Old Dominion Monarchs in Ruston ten to eight on Thursday. In the battle of top ten teams from Baum Stadium, it was the number one Arkansas Razorbacks easily downing the number nine Florida Gators Thursday six to one. How about the Tennessee Vols? They're in the top five. UT goes to Founders Park in Columbia, and on Thursday in the opening match of this series, the Vols easily take care of the South Carolina Gamecocks ten to four. Mississippi went on the road to Georgia, and the Diamond Land Sharks get the 2-0 win at Foley Field over the Georgia Bulldogs. TCU fell to Kansas State on the road, 4-2. TCU ranked number 12 in the land. It was a close one in Nashville. Vanderbilt eked out a win over the Kentucky Wildcats. Vanderbilt is number three in the country, and the Vandy Boys get the 4-2 victory over the Batcats. Texas lost at home to West Virginia. UT is number two in the land, according to D1 Baseball. And then Texas Tech lost at home to the Kansas Jayhawks. The Red Raiders ranked number five in all of the land, according to D1 Baseball. So that's your college baseball lineup. Those same matchups in the top 25 extend into the Friday, at least. Some of these teams are getting out of there earlier, as we saw East Carolina with a doubleheader on Thursday. So they should be able to get in that final game today in their series with USF and then get back to Greenville, North Carolina, and rest up for the American Conference Championship that will be taking place next week. That's when most of these college tournaments are going on all across the land. You got the SEC showing up in Hoover. You got the ACC tournament taking place at the Durham Bulls Ballpark in Durham, North Carolina. The Southern Conference gets together in Greenville at the home of the Greenville Drive in Greenville, South Carolina. The OVC this year returning to Jackson, Tennessee as the ballpark at Jackson hosts the 2021 OVC tournament. So, yeah, that's just some of our Southern conferences out there with their college baseball tournaments. Those are all next week. So please go support your local conference tournament if you live in places like Durham, North Carolina, or you live in Greenville, South Carolina, Hoover, Alabama, and... Jackson, Tennessee. Check them out, all right? Let's talk a little of men's college basketball. They were discussing how football was going to get going Labor Day weekend with some excitement. How about in November, 
you're going to have some great college basketball being held to kind of get things going for the new season of hoops. And we can tell you about some tournaments going on in the South that are going to have some marquee teams. And we'll keep it in South Carolina because November 18th, 19th, and the 21st of November, you've got the Charleston Classic taking place in downtown Charleston. The Holy City's College of Charleston Cougars will be having teams come into their arena and have a great tournament, although the homestanding Cougars of the CFC is not participating in this tournament. But who is in the Charleston Classic in college basketball this year? The Broncos of Boise State, the Palmetto State's own Clemson Tigers, the Elon Phoenix out of CAA, the conference that the College of Charleston plays in, the Marquette Golden Eagles will be in Charleston. How about the Mississippi Landsharks out of the SEC? They'll find their way to Charleston for this tournament. St. Bonnie, the Bonnies will be there at St. Bonaventure. The Temple Owls and the Big 12's West Virginia Mountaineers all taking a part in the Charleston Classic in college basketball 18 through 21 November if you want to get to the low country and check out the Charleston Classic. And then just up the Atlantic coast from Charleston, you can go to the Grand Strand and there you'll have the Myrtle Beach Invitational in college basketball also November 18th through the 19th and the 21st. I wonder what's going on while they're not playing on the 20th of November. Let me see here. Is that a Sunday? Is that going to be filled up with NFL action and they don't want to compete with that? Let's see. November 20, 20th is a is a Saturday. Oh, they don't want to compete with college football. So they're playing Thursday, Friday, Sunday in these tournaments in South Carolina and college basketball. How respectful. They're not wanting to compete with uh, football. <laughs> Myrtle Beach Invitational is going to have the Davidson Wildcats, the East Carolina Pirates, Indiana State Sycamores, Larry Bird would be proud of that. The Lobos, or not Lobos, the Aggies of New Mexico State will be in O'Ree County for this tournament. How about a very good basketball team, the Oklahoma Sooners, finding their way to Myrtle Beach for this basketball tournament. ODU, the Monarchs will be there, as well as the Penn Quakers and the Utah State Aggies. See, I had Aggies on my mind. Uh, And in this case, it'll be the battle of both the New Mexico State and Utah State Aggies at the Myrtle Beach Invitational in mid-November. And then, let me tell you about the NIT season tip-off. I guess that's in New York. It's got four teams there. Iowa State, Memphis, the Tigers will be at the NIT season tip-off, as well as Virginia Tech, and the Xavier Musketeers, the ESPN Events Invitational. I don't know where this is going to be, but it features a very good Alabama Crimson Tide team, the Belmont Rebel Bruins out of Nashville, Dayton, Drake, Iona, Kansas, Miami, North Texas. The Mean Green is part of this one, November 25th, 26th, and 28th. You've got the Wooden Legacy tip-off tournament, Georgetown, the Hoyas, St. Joseph's, the San Diego State Aztecs, and the USC Trojans, all a part of that one. And then lastly, this one I think is in Hawaii. You've got the Diamond Head Classic, and this is around Christmas. BYU the homestanding Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, the Liberty Flames, Northern Iowa, the Panthers will be out there, as well as the USF Bulls, Stanford Cardinal, the Vanderbilt Commodores, and the Wyoming Cowboys, all part of the Diamond Head Classic. So college basketball is kind of, mm, I I won't say definitely in all cases, neutral site tournaments, but I love these things especially whenever you're sitting there in the chair in the holiday time period looking for more stuff besides football. I'd much rather watch college basketball than a little NBA action 
in this time of year, November, December. Wouldn't you agree? Speaking of the NBA, you're not having a chance to watch college right now. So what's going on with the pros on Thursday? The Washington Wizards, they just embarrassed the Indiana Pacers in that final play-in game. And the Wizards, from the Eastern Conference, that is, the Wizards move on to be the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference after a 142-115 victory over the Pacers. Then you've got the Western Conference final game going on for play-in action. From the Chase Center, you've got the Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. This will be an ESPN broadcast at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, Beale Street time when your Memphis Grizzlies from Memphis go out there to try to get that eighth seed in the Western Conference. It'll be a tough challenge. I think these two teams just played over the weekend, and Golden State killed the Memphis Grizzlies and Ja Morant. But, yeah, how about Ja and Stefan going up against each other for a right to continue their season? That's happening. Again, this will be a 9 Eastern, 8 Central tip. Grizz and Warriors in the NBA. We need an Ezekiel Elliott story for you here, and we got one thanks to the Frisco police in Texas. Ezekiel Elliott Elliott has been fired, uh, not fired, he's been fined by the Frisco, Texas police after his dog bit two people. Ezekiel, Dallas Cowboy running back, you better get that dog on a leash. I don't know if he was on a leash or not, but he's been cited by the Frisco police after his dog bit two people Thursday morning. Police said they were called to the Starwood neighborhood where Ezekiel Elliott lives, and they were called there at 9.30 in the morning on Thursday. Three dogs later determined to all belong to Ezekiel Elliott had been loose. Oh, he better get fined big time. There's no excuse for anybody in a public setting to have their dogs running out around without a leash on. Yeah. According to police, a Rottweiler was placed in a 10-day quarantine after it bit two different people. Both people were taken to area hospitals with injuries not believed to be life-threatening. It's believed that the other two dogs were returned to Elliott. Frisco, Texas, has a city ordinance that all dogs must be secured. Ezekiel Elliott was given three different citations by Frisco police, one for each dog. And now FPD, they've not released a dollar amount that Elliott will have to pay for each citation. Investigation going on by the Frisco Animal Services Division of the Frisco Police Department. Yeah, I started out with a slip of the tongue saying that Ezekiel Elliott has been fired but he actually has been fine, but he needs to be fired. How could you go out in a setting like that and have your dog? I, I just said a darn Rottweiler, not on a chain, not on a leash, and it bites two different people. I think he's going to have a pretty hefty fine, and I think he's going to have to give these folks a lot of money or at least season tickets for what his Rottweiler did. I'd least love to know the name of the dog, the the puppy and it's not a puppy, I'm sure, that bit these people in Frisco. Not what you want. A a lovely suburb of Dallas now getting some bad news because of a star running back from the local Dallas Cowboys having three dogs run wild and bite people. Oh, man, that bites. That story really bites. How about some baseball interesting info for you? So this week we just had our sixth no-hitter of the 2021 season. Remember, the MLB season just got started at the end of March, and we're not even to the end of May, and we've had six no-hitters in Major League Baseball. I'm not a fan of that. No-hitters are supposed to be about as rare as, uh, use your own metaphor if you want, 
it's not supposed to be that easy to get a darn no-hitter in baseball, and we've had six already. Well, let me at least brag that the latest two no-hitters in baseball came from good old Southern boys. They came from guys with connections to the heart of Dixie. All right. Our first no-hitter of the week came from Spencer Turnbull. He's a former Alabama Crimson Tide pitcher through a no-hitter for the Detroit Tigers. So we want to congratulate Spencer Turnbull for his effort. Again, no-hitter for the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Turnbull, born in Demopolis, Alabama in 1992. He's a 28-year-old sidewinder. But he went to high school at Madison Central High School in Madison, Mississippi. And that is the Jaguars just north of Jackson, Mississippi. But he went on to play for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He was the Tide's top starting pitcher in the 2013 season, then ended up being selected by the Detroit Tigers and has been a part of that organization since 2018 is when he's been on the roster for the big league ball club. But he he made his debut in 2018 and now pitching a no-hitter on the 18th of May. What a great job there by this southern boy. He throws a four-seam fastball. Averaging 94 to 95 miles per hour. He's got a slider at 86 to 87 and a changeup at around 87 miles per hour. Uh, pretty good. Those are pretty good numbers. I don't know what his batting percentage is <laughs> since he's an American League pitcher. Spencer Turnbull, he's also a, an interesting story up at AL.com about not only the fact that Spencer Turnbull's thrown a no-hitter for the Tigers, his romance has gone public as he's evidently dating a lady, a fashion blogger, and a beautiful Southern girl, Ashley Terkurst. And together, Ashley and Spencer have declared their love for one another after this no-hitter. In fact, there's video of her hugging him out on the field. Now, Ashley married a guy named David Hodges, a former college pastor at Alabama's largest church, the Church of the Highlands, and she is one of five children of the founding pastor of, I think, that church, Chris Hodges. Or maybe David was the the son. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading this wrong. But anyway, she has a connection to the Birmingham area. And AL.com reached out to the Hodgeses and the Turkhurst families for clarification on the marital status of David and Ashley, who seem to be separated. Oh, so, some controversy here. Ashley's mother, by the way, is the author of It's Not Supposed to Be This Way and 20 other inspirational books. And she speaks at churches and to evangelical Christian women conferences around the country. She declined to comment on her daughter's marital status. But you can look at the video, Spencer Turnbull on Instagram, his official his official Instagram account, and it's got her hugging up to him right after his no-hitter. So I would say that's a pretty good sign they might be romantically involved, whether she's married or not. Hey, Ashley, if you didn't want this out there that you and Spencer are an item, you might not have wanted to go out there and give him a big old smooch after his no-hitter. And this was a road game, too. I think it was a game against Seattle, a team he had just uh, – yeah, was, uh, the Tigers won 5-0 on Tuesday when this game was held, and she was out there on the West Coast with him. Spencer Turnbull, congratulations on your no-hitter and – what might be a nice romance in the works there with a beautiful Alabama lady. Now, let's tell you about Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber is a pitcher in the major leagues. He currently is with the New York Yankees. 
He got to the Yankees after spending the 2020 season with the New York with the uh, Texas Rangers, and he just pitched a no hitter as well. A no hitter on Wednesday, May 19th. It's when the Yankees got a no hitter from him, and his connection to the South. I'll tell you about that in just a second. On Wednesday, Kluber pitched the 12th no-hitter in Yankees history against the team that he had been with the previous season, the Texas Rangers. He threw 71 of 101 pitches for strikes, struck out nine batters in a 2-0 win, and he only had one walk, a walk to Charlie Culberson. That was the only setback in an otherwise perfect game. It was the New York Yankees' first no-hitter since David Cohn's perfect game more than 20 years ago. 1999 was the last time the Yanks had a no-hitter and this no-hitter this week occurred one day after another no-hitter had been thrown by fellow Alabamian Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers and was the sixth no-hitter overall of this season, as I just told you. This Yankees pitcher, Corey Kluber, born in Birmingham. He's 35 years old, and he has pitched for the Cleveland Indians for a long time. He was with the Rangers for one season, and now He's with the New York Yankees. He's a three-time All-Star, 2016 to 2018. He was a three-time All-Star. He won the Cy Young Award in the AL two times, 2014 to 2017. A very good pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, Corey Kluber. Now, he was born in Birmingham, but he actually attended Coppell High School in Coppell, Texas. And he began to draw notice from colleges like Stetson University when he pitched at the World Woodbat Championships in Jupiter, and he went to Stetson. He's a Stetson hatter, and he played college baseball in that Atlantic Sun Conference team there. As a freshman, he was a relief pitcher, ended up being a very good pitcher at Stetson University in DeLand, Florida. And then, ultimately, the San Diego Padres selected Kluber in the fourth round of the 2007 MLB draft, and the rest is history. But he goes from Stetson. Well, he goes first from Birmingham to Texas to to the Stetson Hatters. He's all over the Southeast, isn't he? And now with the New York Yankees, this great pitcher, Corey Kluber, 35-year-old, nicknamed Klubot, Klubot getting a no-hitter and the first no-hitter for the pinstripers in 22 years. A very good job by this Southerner, Corey Kluber, and a very good job by... Detroit Tiger pitcher Spencer Turnbull. How about that? Six no-hitters already in Major League Baseball. And we hadn't even turned the calendar to the month of June. What's on the MLB scoreboard? What's on the schedule here on this Friday? you got the Orioles and Nationals getting together in that rivalry at Nationals Park. Those two neighbors, Jorge, Jorge Lopez versus Steven Strasburg on the mound for the Nats from Nationals Park. 7.05 Eastern is the first pitch in that one. Red Sox and Phillies have an interleague matchup taking place at Citizens Bank Park. The Chicago White Sox will be taking on Kluber's New York Yankees from Yankee Stadium on this weekend series. The Brewers and Reds get together. Twins, Indians, Mets, Marlins. You have the Pittsburgh Pirates at Atlanta's Truist Park to take on the Atlanta Braves. The Tampa Bay Raves will be they'll be not too far from their home. They'll be in Dunedin, where TD Ballpark there in Dunedin is the home currently of the Toronto Blue Jays and the Rays and Jays with some Major League Baseball American League East action this weekend. The Strohs and Rangers have their Texas battle at Globe Life Field this weekend. 
the Tigers and Royals from Kauffman Stadium in KC. That's the series there for the Royals and Tigers. You've got the Cubbies and the Cardinals, and they're great rivalry, probably the best rivalry in baseball. Bush Stadium is the host of this weekend series. Carlos Martinez on the mound for the Redbirds. Kyle Hendricks counters from the Cubbies. Diamondbacks and Rockies this weekend. Athletics and Angels have their California Freeway Series, although it's not the Angels-Dodgers. We'll call that the Cal North versus Southern Cal. Angel Stadium is the home of this Athletics-Angels-American League battle. Dodgers and Giants have their California battle this weekend from Oracle Park. And then lastly, the Seattle Mariners the Mariners will be all the way down in San Diego at Petco Park host this interleague matchup between the M's and the Padres. And that's a look at what's going on in sports here in this mid-May weekend. When we come back on the Y'all Show, hang on, we're going to have I-C-Y-M-I in case y'all missed it. Niles Reddick was on our show Wednesday talking books and more, and we're going to hear from Niles about John Grisham's new book, as well as the new Stephen King Stephen King read, and Delia Owens has this amazing book that's been out over two years that's still one of the best books available. And Niles Reddick will be back on. We'll play a portion of our Wednesday interview. It is I-C-Y-M-I in case y'all missed it. And it's up next on the show all about the South. John Grisham, he is doing well, got a new book out. How does he keep doing what he does? I don't know, but everything, you know, Grisham's on the top ten uh, bestseller list. Stephen King's on the list. I mean, these guys are remarkable writers, and just about anything they touch really does turn to gold on the bestseller list. Um, I'm looking forward to reading both of them this summer. Suley is the number three book this week from John Grisham, the West Memphis, I think, slash Oxford, slash Charlottesville author John Grisham. And he does a little bit of a different twist with this book. It's about a gentleman from Africa receiving a basketball scholarship to a historically black college in North Carolina, North Carolina Central. That's a little bit of a different twist for John Grisham. It it is. And what's it like, I guess, writing about higher education, as he does evidently in this book? Yeah, I think think it'll be um, an excellent read. Okay. Well, most things uh, he does, he's yeah, he he's does. gotten out of the criminal uh, thriller type book before. I know he wrote something about his little league baseball team one time. Yeah, but he'll still bring some of that thriller kind oh. of magic to this story, I believe. All right. 
that is out right now. John Grisham, it's number three. What else is up there right now on the well, bestsellers? Well, Stephen King has uh, a new one that's out, um, and there are several actually on here uh, on the list right now. Um, but I'm looking forward to Stephen King's book. Uh, the title of that one, I'm trying to find it, is called Later. Uh, it's titled Later, a New York Police Department Detective asked the son of a struggling single mother to use his unnatural ability to track a killer. Um, and you know Stephen King. That'll be a, a definite uh, great book to read, and then it'll be a film later, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you, will Grisham's. Yeah, are you a fan of Stephen King's work? You know, the early stuff like Cujo and some of those really frightening things were just not my cup of tea. Um, but I have, you know, friends and relatives who love reading his stuff. But then I did enjoy uh, some of his things, like The Green Mile, I think. Stand by, um, what was it called? Stand, I'm thinking of the Tammy Wynette song, Stand By Your Man. man. Uh, But it's Stand By Me. Stand By Me was a, um, a phenomenal film based on a short story by King. But The Green Mile, I think, is one of his absolute bests. Um, the Green Mile was about the um, John Coffey, the criminal who walking the mile, yeah. walking the Green Mile. Awesome film. Oh yeah, absolutely awesome. Filmed in the Nashville area. Mm-hmm. So that is a Stephen King book out. If and how often? I mean, Grisham almost has like you can look at the calendar and predict when his books come out. What's yeah. The, what's the rhythm with King? Uh, King is doing multiple things, um, and usually he has more than one thing come out at a time. Uh, maybe a story, maybe a film, uh, maybe a novel. Uh, but they're they're both extremely talented fellows. Hey, what else we got on our bestsellers? Besides your books, which ought to be back on the bestseller list, uh, what else we got? Uh, there's a new one out that's new this week. Um, and the, there are three out this week. Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Um the Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave, and then 21st Birthday by James Patterson and Maxine Petro. All of those should be good reads. Patterson often teams up with other writers. Have you ever done mm-hmm. that? Have you teamed up with another writer to write a book? I have not teamed up to write a book. I have, however, teamed up to write some stories, um, and that's an interesting thing to do. Um, you have to really put aside your egos uh, to work together and collaborate and come up with something. But a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. If you had to write with someone, what's the one thing you're willing to delegate and not necessarily do as part of a book write? You know, one thing that's very difficult to do, I think, is to read and edit. Edit is probably the hardest part of the writing process for me, um, especially when it means cutting out things. Um, and shrinking things. Um, I hate to do that. Um, so I would love to delegate that to someone else. When you sit down to write a book, do you kind of have the length of the book in mind when you first get going? Or No, I just know that, you know, for it to be considered for publication, you know, if it's 150 pages or more, it'll probably be considered. Um, and so you have to, you know, some people are verbose and write tons of page, like four or five hundred pages, and some people write a couple of hundred. I'm probably a 
minimalist when it comes to books. Mine are usually not over 200. And that was Niles Reddick from earlier in the week, our I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. Niles, a great author, has got the book out that's fantastic called Reading the Coffee Grounds and Drifting Too Far from the Shore is also a Niles Reddick read. Get those, if you will, and support a great Southern writer from South Georgia, Niles Reddick, and he was on earlier this week to get us set up with all of the new books out on the stands right now, some of the bestsellers and such. We hope you enjoyed that blast from Wednesday, and you can go back to y'all.com right now and listen to that entire interview with Niles Reddick talking books and more. We've got headlines from the Southeast that we're going to talk about, and we're going to do just that after this break as our final hour on this Friday rolls on. Stay with us. play it soup this is the y'all show we're kind of winding things down here on this third hour of our friday edition let's get through a few more headlines from across the southeast before we wrap it up here a couple in florida pleading guilty to attacking bears with dogs and then using donuts and bait uh oh goodness charles and hannah scarborough charged with unlawful taking of a black bear in the sunshine state what is this article all about? Yeah, both entering guilty pleas of conspiracy to commit racketeering, animal baiting, and fighting, unlawful use of a two-way communicating device, and unlawful taking of a black bear, according to the Ocala Star banner. They've agreed to cooperate with prosecutors, but yeah, using a donut to attract black bears in Florida. Allowing packs of dogs to attack those bears and posting the gruesome videos on social media. Yeah, there's going to be some people pretty upset about this and look for the lovey-dovey couple of the Scarboroughs, Charles and Hannah, to be probably in jail for quite some time after they pled guilty to attacking bears with dogs using donuts as bait. Dumb, 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 dumb. A new airline started by the founder of JetBlue is going to have a hub in New Orleans and you're likely to see 10 new routes. David Nealman is the JetBlue founder, and now he's started the budget airline Breeze Airways, and it will fly 10 direct routes from Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport beginning in July. The new airline from Nealman, who's launched four other airlines over the past four decades. The guy evidently doesn't have anything to do except launch airlines. Yeah, it's coming as consumers are likely to hit airports and fly big time coming out of this pandemic. They aim to tap demand for direct low-cost travel to smaller and mid-sized U.S. cities that are known for attracting leisure travelers. So the first flight from New Orleans will be July 8th. How about this? They'll have a flight to Charleston, South Carolina, two of the South's greatest cities connected to each other now thanks to this new airline. Charleston to New Orleans all because of Breeze Airlines. You also have flights from New Orleans to Canton, Ohio. Also, New Orleans to Bentonville, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Huntsville, Alabama 
Huntsville to the Big Easy, Louisville to the Big Easy, Norfolk, Virginia to Louis Armstrong Airport, Oklahoma City, Richmond, Virginia, Tulsa, and Columbus, Ohio, all connecting you to the Big Easy for this new budget airlines, Breeze Airways. And I'm thinking there might yeah Huntsville. All right, so in the south, you can fly from New Orleans to San uh, no, 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 okay. uh, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Fayetteville, Huntsville, Charleston, and other cities up north if that's where you want to go. So airline news here on today's Y'all Show. Who knew? <laughs> How about Dolly Parton? She's going to have a secret song that won't be available to be heard until 2045. Y'all going to stick around for this one? This unreleased Dolly song locked in a special time capsule at Dreammore Resort in Pigeon Forge. The East Tennessee icon has the book Dolly Parton Songteller, My Life and Lyrics, and that was a CD and this never-before-heard song, both locked in a dream box at this resort, and we won't be able to hear it until 2045. You reckon Dolly will be around in 2045? If she is, do y'all realize she would be 99 years old? She was born in 1946. The beautiful Dolly Parton with a song now going into a vault. And you'll have to wait around till 2045 if you want to hear the Tennessee songstress. How about this? In North Carolina, 12 students charged in a senior prank. It's that time of year where the kiddies are losing their mind. They're ready to get off and start their lives. Now, high school students, they're charged for a senior prank that involved putting meat and eggs in the school's fence. And the sheriff's office there in Lincoln County, North Carolina, Estimating the prank caused around $5,000. Deputies responding Tuesday about vandalism at East Lincoln High School in Denver, North Carolina. School officials reported that buses in some areas inside the school building were covered with a sticky substance and glitter. Some type of meat and eggs were found in the heating and air system. Call Bob Jenkins there. That's what they need to be doing there. Uh, Call him up and get relief to denver north carolina meat and eggs there in the heating cooling system of the high school and also found stuff on the roof of (laughs) that's a pretty mean prank at east lincoln high school and now 12 students charged for this senior prank something tells me somebody's going to be a little lenient toward them at at some point and lastly a feel-good story out of the bluegrass state a history teacher in kentucky Cowler holbrook told his class one day that he was obsessed with Air Jordans. So on the day of final exams, maybe his students were just trying to kiss up to him, they surprised this teacher at Connor High School in Kentucky with a pair of Space Jam 11s. And if this cooperates, I'll actually play the audio from this. Let's see if it plays correctly. Uh, This is a teacher appreciation gift. Uh, Now we know some of us may not be your favorite students all, but you all are our favorite teacher. Uh, you wanted to let you, hey Katie, uh, we wanted to let you know with uh, what impact you had on us, a little gift, hope you like it, uh, Griffin, Brent, John, Jaden, Casey, Trevor, Madeline, Kyle, Sam, Levi, Frankie, Adam, Gideon, Katie, Ryan, Andrew, awesome, start off with the cod. All right, come on, open up the big gift here, teacher. Yeah, the card first. I'm not a barbarian. Connor High School, uh, Kentucky here. the creative and inspiring teacher you are. Oh, you guys are so awesome. I can't read all these or we're going to run out of time. Yeah, oh, just go ahead and open and the gift. Yeah, you'll cry. Okay, so yeah. I don't want to cry. Here we go. He's going to open up this big box. Come on. Kyle Holbrook's AP U.S. History class. 
Connor High School. Yes. What a great day. What I wanted, guys. Thank you. I'm just surprised it's not an Amazon box. <laughs> what? No way. No way. Did you guys just put it in this box? Because I know what this is. No way. No way. No. Do you know how long I've been wanting Jordan? Yeah, we, we talked about it for a reason. Do you have any idea? Why we asked you since eighth grade? Yeah, you remember when we were? Yeah, asked? all right. Well, you can go watch the video again. This is a high school teacher at Connor High School in Kentucky, and obviously making a difference there in Holbrook's Kyler Holbrook's class there in Kentucky. Getting, uh, would you have bought your teacher? A pair of shoes of any kind, much less Air Jordans. Well, that's what these students there in Connor High School thought enough of this guy and the influence. We want to thank all of our teachers as we're wrapping up the new school the school year as it's winding down all the hardship everybody's had to go through. Thank you, teachers. You all deserve a pair of Air Jordans. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to wrap it up from Dixie with Love, and we'll throw out a couple of festivals going on this weekend to get you ready for the weekend. Congratulations to all y'all wrapping up your school year. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. We'll be wrapping up this Friday edition after this. Well, we've come to the end of another week of the Y'all Show. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in on great stations across the Southeast and for all of our listeners. Heck, we just had interaction with someone we just called out. Yeah, Bob Jenkins, give him a call, 731-664-3989. All seasons, heating, and air. They'll go to North Carolina and help out those kids who've pranked their school by putting stuff in the heating and air system. Yeah, they, they should have callallseasonsac.com on speed dial. For North Carolina School District, they'll get that air conditioning system set up. Hey, we want to set you up with some fun stuff here this weekend if you want to get out and about in the southeast. Fredericksburg, Texas has their Lobster Festival taking place this weekend. Also, the Cornelius Jazz Festival. That is in Cornelius, North Carolina this weekend. Huntsville, Alabama at the old stadium that hosted the Huntsville Stars. Joe Davis Stadium is where you'll find the 2021 Rocket City Fair. That's this weekend. Camp Beaver Fork Christian Music Festival. That's in Camp Beaver Fork in Conway, Arkansas this weekend. Savannah, Georgia has the Savannah Music Festival this weekend, and that is taking place at the Charles H. Morris Center on Broad Street in Savannah. Wynton Marcellus is in town for that, as well as Rodney Crowell, country music hit maker. Thank you all for being a part of the show All About the South. We'll be right back here Monday with more talk about Dixie. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be with you here on the Y'all Show, our website, y'all.com. Have a wonderful weekend, y'all. Thank you.